Welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. I'm recording this episode on Wednesday, August 14th of 2019, and we're going to talk about anything that's new in the world of SEO. There's actually not a lot of crazy stuff to talk about this week, which is probably a good thing. If you remember a year ago at this time, we were all still madly discussing August 1st update, the medic update, um, and even to this day, you know, we're still looking at so many medical sites uh, that are being affected by Google algorithm updates. So we're going to talk a little bit about that um, in this episode, although most of the information we have on medical sites, we're going to save till next week just because I'm still working on uh, finishing up some research in that area. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about things like uh, Google showing less porn in the results, which is a good thing um, for most of us, I think. And um, a few other things as well. In our Q&A section, we're going to ask uh, answer the question. Uh, somebody asked me on Twitter about a link that they kept submitting to Google and then it kept disappearing uh, after 24 hours. So we'll talk about some reasons why that happened. And a question that's been coming up on Twitter this week is, can you undisavow a link? Some of you know the answer to that, but I'll give you my thoughts on that as well. So let's get started and we'll talk about, um, usually we start the podcast by talking about algorithm updates. Uh, there have been, you know, I feel like I'm saying the same thing every single week. There's been no major update, but there were certainly a lot of tweaks. Um, I think probably around uh, August 1st, um, and even, oh, there was one other date, maybe August 9th or so, we saw a lot of sites that saw some changes, but this is happening pretty much every week. And so we're going to do a little bit of changing in how we uh, present algorithm updates. We'll certainly be talking about major updates, uh, core updates that are announced by Google. And if there is an update that seems to be a tweak that has a large effect on uh, websites, then we're going to talk about that as well. And instead, in our algo update post, which you can find at mariehaines.com slash algo, what we're going to do is sort of a monthly summary of what we think is happening. It used to be when I first started doing these algo updates, the updates were super specific. We could say, oh, it looks like Google's going after thin content, or it looks like Google did an update related to links. Um, and this is not happening so much now. It just seems like every update is just one more step towards better quality. I know some of you would disagree with that. Um, but really, it's getting harder and harder to say, well, this was a specific update each week. So we don't have anything new to announce in terms of significant updates. Um, this is probably a good place, though, to announce uh, a really cool thing for MHC, for Marie Haynes Consulting. Um, first of all, if you're listening to this podcast, thank you. I greatly appreciate the fact that you want to listen to me talk about SEO. If you are a newsletter subscriber, thank you as well. If you have been waiting to subscribe to newsletter, we're running a fun little contest, um, probably to help us get a few more newsletter subscribers, where if you sign up for the free version of newsletter, you can uh, be put into a draw to win uh, a paid subscription for a year. If you are a paid newsletter subscriber, you'll also be put in a draw to win a lifetime subscription to the newsletter. So um, thank you. I know that feels a little salesy to me, um, but uh, really newsletter is uh, a great way to learn about
SEO. Um, and I'm not going to go on and, and talk about uh, marketing our newsletter because I know most of you are here to listen to the Google News. So Google published a blog post uh, just this week that talked about the de-indexing bug that they had. Um, and some of you remember several months ago, there were issues where huge chunks of the web seemed to be disappearing from Google's results. Um, and, you know, that's all fixed now. Uh, so the blog post was kind of interesting. There was no, you know, big uh, crazy revelation that we got from uh, this blog post. But what they said was that part of the system broke and some documents that Google had stored were completely dropped. Uh, and so what they did was they reverted back to a previous index when this happened. Um, and so when the de-indexing de bug happened, it also affected Google Search Console. Um, as some of the data that builds Search Console it makes sense, it comes from the index. Um, and so Search Console had issues with uh, URLs not rendering. This happened even last week. If you tried to use the URL inspection tool, it was broken. Um, and so, you know, if you want to read more about what happened, uh, there's a link to the blog post in our newsletter. Uh, this is currently episode 96 that we're talking about. Um, which makes sense why I didn't mention what the contest is for our 100th episode that we're, uh, we're coming up on. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so more information in newsletter on what was going on in terms of Google's indexing uh, information. There was also another uh, problem with Google News posts getting indexed uh, again this week. That is apparently fixed. Um, there was something I know Barry Schwartz was saying, you know, if you did a search for new information from the Wall Street Journal, uh, Google was saying there was nothing new published for a period of about 24 hours. And the same with any major news site. Uh, that appears to be fixed now. So that's good. This was an interesting story. Um, Google has told us that they have tweaked the search results so that there will be less porn in the search results. Now, that's not a new thing. Um, some of you probably remember the story of Matt Cutts when he was with Google. And part of his job used to be he used to try to encourage other Googlers to see if they could find porn on Google. And uh, the story goes that um, Matt's wife made these cookies that they called their porn cookies. And if any Googler could actually make porn surface on a Google search, then they would get one of these porn cookies. Um, and so Googlers, imagine that was your job, that all day long you were just trying to surface porn uh, through Google queries. And then obviously what Google would do was say, oh, well, how did this person get porn to appear? And how can we write our algorithms in a way where that doesn't happen, um, where, you know, if this person clearly was not looking for porn. Uh, and so Google has made changes and I'm, the reason why I'm saying this is I, I used to say that, uh, you know, I probably don't have a lot of listeners in the adult industry. Um, and then I was at an event where uh, the team from Pornhub was there. And so, hello, everybody. You are, it's a fantastic team there. Um, and so, uh, you know, I know some of you are interested in this information. So what Google did was there were certain queries, um, queries for things like lesbian, schoolgirl, teen, things like that, where, uh, you know, most of the time, 
time when people are searching, they're probably looking not for porn. Uh, and Google is getting better at figuring out user intent. And I actually think that this is a big component to a lot of algorithm updates, forgetting the adult component of this discussion. Uh, but Google, if they can figure out what your intent is, uh, we've seen a lot of cases of e-commerce sites that were hit by recent algorithm updates. And when you see their traffic, their traffic has dropped, let's say maybe 60%. But when you look at conversions, conversions have maybe only dropped 5%, or in some cases they've stayed the same. And we think that what's happening here is Google is getting much better at determining when a user has a buying intent. Um, they're probably good at determining when a user is actively seeking out adult content as opposed to doing a, a search where they didn't want to see adult content. Um, and so some of you who are seeing drops in traffic in connection with algorithm updates, it may not necessarily be a bad thing. It might be that Google has figured out that, look, you know, you have this post that is selling this product, but it's very clear that this person who's doing the search is still in the informational stage uh, and they're still trying to gather information. And so maybe we shouldn't send them to your post uh, because yours is clearly trying to sell the product. Um, now, I'm not saying that we should be uh, separating our uh, sales pitches from our uh, information pitches. Um, I just think that we can potentially get less traffic where Google figures out that uh, that traffic is not going to convert anyways. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, some people have noticed that Google is testing infinite scroll on desktop. Uh, and this is really interesting. We've seen this in the mobile results that if you do a search for something, instead of saying page two, you get a little thing at the bottom of the search that says more results. And when you tap on that, then page two magically appears. Um, on desktop, this seems to be happening as well. Uh, now, this is probably a test. A few people have seen it. I can't replicate it. Uh, but I think that this test potentially caused some problems where uh, some of the weather testing tools, so the, the tools like MozCast and um, the SEMrush sensor, they look at things like have there been major changes where, you know, maybe you had this many sites ranking on page two? Well, and then if Google does infinite scroll, there's no more page two. And so this can make reporting things challenging. Uh, so at this point, this is just a test. So I'm not going to go into great detail on um, what we could infer from this, but I thought it would be a good thing for us to take note of. Uh, in our newsletter, uh, I'm not going to recap all of these for podcast, but we have a really great summary of Aleda Solis's Reddit AMA. Uh, Aleda did a Reddit Ask Me Anything with tons of questions on internationalization and canonical tag use uh, and things that are challenging for most SEOs. So we've linked to it from newsletter. We've summarized some of the coolest parts of that discussion, and I would encourage everybody to take a look at that. Um, we've talked about how recently Googlebot is now using an evergreen um, version of Chrome. And so the whole idea is that uh, Google is no longer relying on an outdated version of Chrome in order to render pages. And uh, so now Chrome is up to Chrome 76. And here's some cool information. Um, there's now easier ways to do lazy loading. So lazy loading is talking about how Maybe we don't load all of the images on the page until perhaps they're needed, and that can help things to load faster on pages, um, but that can have some SEO implications as well. 
And so um, if you are at all interested in lazy loading, we've got just a little summary in the newsletter, but there is more information that we've linked to. And so uh, I think that's going to be really interesting for a lot of different websites. Let's talk about this Google Help Hangout tip. Glenn Gabe tweeted something, uh, a quote from John Mueller, talking about EAT for a medical site. Um, John Mueller said, Google does try to recognize, uh, recognize additional details about the author, medical reviewers, about the site overall through a number of ways and partially through the content directly. So similar to how users would see it. So think about if you were going to a site to find out more information on a complex medical topic, um, you know, what would you like to see as a reader? You would like to see an author bio that demonstrates that that author has expertise to write that content. Um, we have talked, you know, a couple of years ago, when we first started talking about EAT, it was kind of one of these controversial areas that not a lot of people paid attention to. Now, fast forward two years down the road, and I think most SEOs, they know the phrase EAT, expertise, authoritativeness, trustworthiness. Google has put out a blog post recently that talks about its importance in the algorithms, but there's still so much disinformation out there about what EAT is. And so the reason why I'm saying this is that I do not think that all of a sudden a site's rankings are going to increase because they've added author bios to the site. That's just one little piece of the information. Um, Google gets most of their information on EAT from external sources. And so even if you have an author bio that says, hey, this person's been a doctor for this many years and they've you know won these awards and they've done all these things worthy of recognition, um, if nobody outside of your own website is ever saying that stuff as well, there's a good chance that it's not going to help you so much. So we still believe that every post should have an author bio, um, every author should have their EAT completely extolled, every, page, every website should have an about page that thoroughly extols their EAT. Um, we think that your homepage should be loaded with information to say, here's why you trust this website. Here's why we're known as the best in the business. Um, and so those things should definitely happen, but it's important to know that those help Google to connect the dots. But really what's happening um, in Google's algorithms is that they're looking at external sources. And I'm not going to get into it this podcast, but I've been spending most of my week this week and my team has been having a great discussion on how Google could be algorithmically um, trying to demote or trying to not show websites that contradict scientific consensus. Uh, and we've come up with some really good theories on how Google could be doing this. And so stay tuned for, uh, I hope next week, I will be able to share that with you. Um, if you are a paid newsletter subscriber next week, we really should have some good information uh, for you as well in newsletter on um, my thoughts on what Google is doing in terms of, of medical sites. Other interesting news, uh, Search Console started sending out monthly performance reports, but only for a small subset of sites. So some of our clients have received these, but most have not, uh, at least as far as we're aware. And it's basically, it's a kind of a cool email that uh, you get like content achievements, um, like what are your top three growing pages compared to your, uh, you know, past month and, and things like that. So that's kind of cool. Hopefully Google keeps doing that and we all get uh, that type of information from Search Console. I think that would be a good thing. 
I wrote in the uh, newsletter about an article that Bill Swalsky summarized, which of course is about a new Google patent. Um, and it was more information on how Google's knowledge or how the knowledge graph works. I mean, this is one of the things we've been digging into as a team at MHC is, you know, how does Google get this information from the knowledge graph and how does information get into the knowledge graph? The knowledge graph contains all of these different entities, you know, so every medical condition is an entity, every medical treatment is an entity. And then Google can connect the dots and say, ah, you know, there's um, a very strong connection between arthritis and ibuprofen. Uh, and so that type of thing, they can make these connections. But what about when new information is available? Uh, and what Bill wrote about was there are actually systems in place where Google can add information to knowledge graphs from offline sources, from libraries, from books, from uh, other sources, even if they're not on the web. Uh, so I thought this was really interesting. I really do think that Google is building these massive knowledge graphs um, so that they can tie everything together. And a lot of recent updates have to do with these knowledge graphs. So I know that sounds kind of, uh, it might sound like I've just spewed a bunch of words and haven't really given you anything practical. It's coming. We're going to have more information as we suss this all out um, over the next couple of weeks and, and uh, try to get some theories that um, are not only theories, but also come with advice where we can say, look, we know that this is an issue in Google's eyes and sites that are doing things this way are succeeding. So again, if you want to become a paid newsletter subscriber, we'll put some of this information in paid newsletter over the weeks to come. And um, some of this we're going to be giving just to our clients. So uh, if you have been interested in having a site review done by us, uh, we have a little bit of a waiting list. I think it's about a couple months right now for site reviews. I think our link audits, we have not too much of a waiting list, so we can jump in there. Um, but basically, if you want a site review and you're a medical site, we will have some information for you that um, really should help you to do better. So let's move on to our Q&A. I have two questions that I'm going to cover here in Q&A. One was asked through Twitter. Um, what can be a reason for a website to show in the search results only after manual submission and stays for 24 hours, and then it's nowhere. Um, so, okay, so from what I understand this question is asking is somebody has a particular page on their website, they're submitting it to Google, which you can do through Google Search Console, and then uh, the URL is available on Google searches for about 24 hours, and then it seems to drop out of the index. Now, what I don't know here is whether it's actually completely removed from the index, because what a lot of people say is, um, you know, when they're saying it's de-indexed or something, they're actually saying, well, it's not appearing for searches. If you're wanting to determine whether um, a particular URL is actually in Google's index, if it's your own site, you can go in Search Console and use the URL inspection tool and it'll actually say URL is indexed on Google or it's not indexed on Google. If it's not indexed on Google, then they'll give you an explanation as to why. Um, and maybe it's blocked by robots.txt or maybe it's um, got a no index tag. So one of the things to look at in this case, so let's say there's really nothing on your side that is blocking this URL from getting indexed, is to determine, so you can do, uh, I mean, it, even if you're not using Search Console, you can do a site colon search for just that URL and you'll find out, is it in Google's index? So if it's indexed, but you're not seeing it rank anywhere, that can just be normal. 
That can be just a matter of time. It could be that Google just doesn't see the value, that it's very similar to hundreds of other pages that they have in their index. And I'm not talking about word for word similarity. Like if you're selling a product and there's 500 other people that are selling that product um, and there's really nothing of value that would make people go, oh, I want to buy the product from your site, uh, then maybe Google will just decide uh, to put that in the supplemental results to only show that when people are specifically looking for results from your brand. Um, and that can be very normal. It doesn't even need mean that there's a sign of, of quality issues. Um, granted, if you have a lot of pages like that, we do think that that could be a sign of quality issues overall. Um, if Google sees like, whoa, a big percentage of this site uh, contains information that we can find anywhere else, you know, it's not unique information, that can probably be seen as a sign of low quality. Another thing to look for, though, in this case is whether anybody uh, in your company has used the URL removal tool in Search Console. I've seen this come up where uh, one situation where it came up was where somebody was trying to remove the HTTP version of their website after they did an HTTPS migration. And so they'd use the URL removal tool to remove all of the HTTP pages. Well, those pages are canonicalized to the uh, HTTPS pages. And what can happen is it'll just remove all of your pages. Um, and that the good news is that's a temporary thing. Although in this case, resubmitting the URL really should get that page re-indexed. So that's probably not the issue. Next thing I'd check is just to see if there's any sort of a manual action on the site. It's pretty uncommon for a manual action to just affect one page, uh, but it can happen. And so you can see those in the manual actions viewer in Search Console. They'll be in the left sidebar in the menu, um, probably about three quarters of the way down. And if that's not the case, I'd look for duplication. I'd look for things like maybe you've purposely canonicalized this URL to another page um, and Google is actually respecting the canonical. And uh, if it's not doing, uh, still not able to stay in Google's index and you think it's uniquely valuable and there's no way Google's treating it as duplicate content, then what I would do is look to see if there's any um, hidden no index directive on the page. So this was a case that I had come up several years ago uh, where somebody had a page that just couldn't get indexed. And, you know, we use a a Chrome extension called nofollow, I think. And what it does is it tells you, it points out where there are, if you've ever seen a screenshot from me, often there's little red dots around certain links. And that means that that's a nofollowed link. Well, that Chrome extension also tells us uh, there's a little pop-up that appears in the bottom right corner when a page is no indexed, uh, if they can see the no index tag. Now, in this case I was talking about a few years ago, the no index little pop-up did not appear because there was no no index tag um, in the head of the body where you would expect it. However, there was, uh, the words no index were written in some JavaScript uh, lower down in the page. And when you did inspect, so you know how you can look at the source of a page and then you can use inspect element uh, in Chrome to look at the entire page. We did that, we did a control F for no index and sure enough there were, and I think what was happening was the developer was trying to make it so that a certain part of the page was not being indexed by Google. And John Mueller actually confirmed this week that Google doesn't work that way. You can't say, I just want this part of the page indexed and please don't index the rest of the page. Um, no index is for the entire page. So 
those are some of the things I'd look at in that situation. The next question is whether or not you can undisavow a link. And so this is going to be a repeat for uh, some of my people, my people who have been listening to this podcast for a while. Um, if you put links in your disavow file, so let's say um, I had a link from example.com and I decided, why would I want to disavow that? I want to disavow it if it's a link where I feel like, ooh, I wouldn't want the web spam team to look at this because it looks like I've been trying to um, push my rankings up by making my own links. Um, now, let's say I didn't have that knowledge and let's say I used a tool that told me to disavow this link because of some other factor, because of page rank, because of some score that has been given, but ultimately this really was a good link. So the way that I would remove that from my disavow file is to download the disavow file remove that line, so the line that would say domain colon example.com or a line that just uh, is HTTP whatever, um, disavowing just the URL. I remove that line and then I create a new disavow file that does not contain that line and upload that again to Google. What Google is supposed to do now is the next time they crawl that URL, they'll say, oh, okay, well, now we can pay attention to these links that are pointing to Marie's site, um, and they should start to count again. The problem is, so I saw some discussion on Twitter, and I saw somebody saying, you know, we've had really good success from uh, cleaning up disavow files and removing links that were disavowed in error. I've done a fair amount of this, and I've yet to see a great success story um, where, you know, and, and we've had sites, we've had sites that came to us because they used a tool, and the tool recommended, the tool is broken. One of them, the tool was using um, Toolbar PageRank, and then when Toolbar PageRank went away and every single site was returning NA, uh, then the tool was telling you to disavow every single site. And so we had sites coming to us that had disavowed their entire link profile um, and saw drops after disavowing their entire link profile. And then when we removed the disavow file, they did not recover. And this is in line with um, Cyrus Shepard. Uh, he did a, a, a thing, I think 2013, he did an experiment where he disavowed every link to a site and uh, his site plummeted. He removed the disavow and it never recovered. So there's something that's not quite right here. Um, and I think that Google just won't count those links again. I don't know if it's a bug in the code or like if that's by design or on purpose. Um, there was something years ago that Matt Cutts said where he said that if you, they've actually built a lag into the disavow tool so that if you start to reavow a link, it may not take effect for quite some time. And he didn't say how long that could be. Who knows? Maybe it could be years. Gary Ish has said something completely opposite to that. He says, no, no, the, immediately as soon as you file that disavow, that link is going to start to count again once Google crawls it. Um, the reality is in, in real life, we don't like to play around with reavowing. I mean, there's no harm in doing it, um, provided you're not trying to reavow links that actually were problem links. Uh, but I've yet to see a great case study that shows that um, fixing a bad disavow uh, by reavowing actually made a positive difference. Um, so we'll see. Maybe, uh, you know, if you have a good case study like that, send it, uh, send it to me on Twitter. That's probably the easiest way. Marie underscore Haynes. 
and uh, I'll take a look at that. And so that's all we're going to do for uh, this episode. I want to uh, remind you that we're going to have this contest. You can find details in the latest newsletter, episode 96. Um, Oh, one final little update here. Some of you have been asking about our Wix contest. So most of you know that our company, Marie Haynes Consulting, was chosen as one of the finalists in this Wix SEO contest. Um, And we're actually running the website called WixSEOLovers.com. Not that we are madly in love with everything to do with Wix. Uh, There are limitations, and we're coming across some limitations. But we're also able to rank this website. Um, It's currently, uh, so the, the, the contest is, if you do a search for Wix SEO, whoever's ranking first amongst us and the Wix SEO haters site uh, is going to win a lot of money. Now, um, we're both on page five in Google US incognito results right now for us. uh, And we're slightly above the haters at this point. Um, We've got some stuff brewing and uh, we had a fantastic meeting, meeting today to sort of think up ideas for gaining links to the site. And uh, that's a good thing. Um, If any of you are fans of our company and want to help us out and would like to link to the website, we would greatly appreciate it. And I know some of you are saying, whoa, she's asking for links. That's not natural. It is totally within Google's guidelines to ask people for a link. If I called you up and said, hey, you want to link to our Wix SEO lovers site dot com? And you're like, yeah, Marie, I, I trust you. We have a good relationship. Sure, I'll throw you a link. Well, that's totally okay. Because you respected me enough. You, you uh, respected my our content uh, to link to it. It's a recommendation. Now, if I said, hey, um, can you throw me a link and I'll buy you dinner next time we meet? That's not so much a natural link, and that's not going to happen. Although maybe I'll buy you dinner. I don't know. It depends on who's listening to this. So um, anyways, if you'd like to link to WixSEOLovers.com, we would greatly appreciate it. Um, and uh, please let me know if you do. I mean, we're keeping an eye on things, but I'd love to, uh, to see who links to us. Um, and so I think that's all that we're going to cover for this week. So I greatly appreciate that you uh, took the time to listen to this podcast. If you ever have a question for me to answer, you can either ask me on Twitter or in the newsletter episode, there's a form where you can ask your question and we'll hopefully cover it on Pat podcast. And uh, with that, I hope that you have a fantastic week and wish you the best of luck with your rankings. Mm-hmm.